Hi everyone and welcome to the latest edition of Vegan World. On this week's show we have Theodora Iona, campaigner for PETA UK. PETA, of course, are the people for the ethical treatment of animals. They're the largest animal rights organisation in the world with 6.5 million members and supporters, including yours truly. They focus on four main areas where the largest number of animals suffer the most intensely and for the longest periods of time. They are in labs, in the food industry, in the clothing trade and in the entertainment industry. Theodore is going to tell us about those and her journey into vegan activism. So hello and welcome to Theodora Iona from Peter. Welcome to the show. Hi Neil, thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. So Theodora, with regards to your background in, in PETA, can you describe to me how you became involved with PETA and, and your reasons for doing so? Yeah, well, uh, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try to, to keep it as short as possible. Um, I am originally from Romania. I turned vegetarian when I was 18. Um, and I think like probably a lot of people, I've met a lot of people who've gone through the same kind of journey that I have. Um, I was quite content with being vegetarian because I wasn't really aware of just the, the massive scale that um, humans exploit animals mm-hmm. and wanted to, to do some good in the world, but I didn't really know exactly where to leave my mark. So I started working in the charity sector. I studied uh, human rights law and when I moved to the UK, my plan was to work for Amnesty International. But after a couple of years of working uh, with various um, charities, various vulnerable groups, I realized that actually no one is more vulnerable than animals. And there's so few of us who are working to help animals. And when it comes to the amount of suffering and the numbers of individuals who are suffering, there, there is no one um, who suffers more than animals. Mm-hmm. So I decided to put all of that behind me and, and try to work in the animal charity sector. And I was so lucky that the first interview that I had was with PETA, and that was almost five years ago. And I, I went through various jobs at PETA, but now I am in the campaigns department, and I am the outreach coordinator, which means that I organize protests and demonstrations, I liaise with activists, I do media interviews, and... Now, with regards to PETA, PETA are obviously an organisation that, whether you're vegan or not, are quite uh, well known around the UK and and further abroad as well because of the campaigns that they run. Uh, They're quite headline-grabbing and quite um, focused on, obviously, the animal and getting the message across, particularly about animal cruelty. Can you highlight a couple of examples of the achievements of PETA in the UK and maybe further abroad as well? I feel so lucky and so proud to work at PETA because there's there's so many campaigns that are worth mentioning, so many victories for animals that we were able to achieve that there's... I definitely want to mention um, our mohair campaign. Uh, it was uh, a huge, well, a huge victory for um, animals, um, the Angora goats who suffer tremendously on uh, farms in uh, South Africa. Uh, South Africa is the world's top mohair producer. 
And uh, in 2018, PETA Asia released an investigation. This was the first of its kind that revealed just abhorrent cruelty to animals. Uh, we're talking about workers dragging, kicking, hitting, uh, throwing uh, goats um, into the floor, cutting their throats while uh, still conscious. Uh, just just really horrible things that I think if anyone wants to watch the investigation, the video, most people can't, can't stand even watching a few seconds of it. Uh, so um, we, what, what we did with this, we, we went with the, the footage, we showed it to the biggest high street retailers who used to sell mohair, and um, we convinced them to stop selling it. Wow. We were very lucky. We've had, well now, uh, about 300 major retailers worldwide who banned mohair in response to PETA's video expose of the industry. And just to name a few, um, the really big names like Gap, H&M, Topshop, Marks & Spencers, um, Inditex, who owns Zara, Primark, ASOS, like, there's so, so many. Um, and another really good thing that came out of it was that this was the first time when um, cruelty to animal charges were brought against four of the Angora goat farmers. This has never happened before. The South African police have investigated the, the farmers along with the, the shearers and the other farm workers. Um, so it's, it's a huge victory for animals um, and uh, it actually follows another huge victory uh, from a few years ago in uh, the Angora industry uh, which um, had the same effects following a, a PETA Asia investigation. So uh, we are we, we are very happy, we were lucky to, to manage to get the message out there but only also affect change uh, by getting all these high street retailers to stop uh, selling the products, which obviously uh, means that there won't be demand for the products, so there won't be a supply. So now we're uh, setting our sights on wool. Yeah, and I know we're going to come on to talk about the wool campaign in a little bit, and I think I think that's amazing the work that you do within PETA, the campaigns that you do, you run, the awareness that you raise. I think it's quite rewarding, actually. Not that I'm involved in it, obviously, but when I see from the sidelines as a vegan, when I look at Peter and the campaigns that they run, and then you see people like Marks and Spencer's, H&M and Gap and the others that you mentioned, they actually do answer the questions that you pose to them ethically, and they respond to it in a positive way. I think that's amazing, the work that you do there, and it must be quite rewarding when you work in that. Well, it is, it is very rewarding. Uh, another one um, that I wanted to mention, and I think a lot of people know about this, is um, the success of our petition to get Greg's to introduce a vegan sausage roll. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, that was, um, I think most, most vegans were so happy about that uh, at the beginning of the year. And actually, they started selling it this year right on my birthday. So that was the best birthday <laughs> present ever. When I woke up, I had, I won't say how many, because um, it's a bit embarrassing, but they, yeah, it, it was a really great, birthday present um, and that was uh, yeah we we just um, started a petition 
we had over 20,000 people signing it and Greg's listened um, and it was a huge success and I think so many people are so happy, not just vegans, but um, it is a good product. I, I I don't know a lot of people, maybe maybe Pierce Morgan doesn't agree, but I think a lot of people are really happy with the product and it makes it so much easier um, for people to to be vegan, not, not, not just Greg's, but all the other restaurants. And, and seeing Greg's success, I think it really um, gives a lot of other chain restaurants and other people um, the encouragement, the reassurance that, you know, this is a market worth exploring and this is something for the future. Absolutely. Well, from my side of things, uh, thank you very much for running that campaign because I had my first uh, uh, Greg's Vegan Roll uh, two weeks ago and I'd heard a lot about it and I thought, God, you know what, I'm going to have to actually go and try one of these things and I pulled in and I was driving at the time and I was driving to Dublin and I pulled over and had it and I liked it so much I turned the car around and went and bought another one. So, uh, so thank you, Peter, for that. <laughs> I'm not sure my waistline will thank you, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed them. They were fantastic. I think one of the times, or the time that that was brought out was to coincide with the Veganuary campaign, Theodora. Uh, yeah, it, it, wasn't for, it wasn't for my birthday, unfortunately. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> Maybe next year. Yeah. They'll bring something else out. You never yeah. know. So when Veganuary came out this year, it was a big to-do, a big thing. Uh, previously, it was mentioned to me how in 2014, 14 people signed up for Veganuary. Last year, or this year just passed, it's over 300,000. So the numbers and the growth in that are amazing. And I think when Greg's got on board with a vegan role and the back of the excellent work that Peter did, the Veganuary campaign that it tied in with. I think we also saw an increased media attention on veganism in general. And uh, how do you feel, from your own perspective and your organization's perspective, how do you feel that uh, media attention has been? Do you think it's been fair or in some levels? Or You mentioned Piers Morgan there, who I've had the unfortunate actually sit and watch some of his television shows. And he's quite anti-vegan. He likes to bring people onto his shows and shout them down. Now, that's one extreme, I suppose, of bad media interest in veganism or publicity, but how do you feel the media in general have treated veganism uh, in the last couple of years? Well, uh, I think uh, considering how how fast the movement is growing, I think at the beginning um, it was a bit more difficult to talk about animal rights issues, to talk about veganism, but now considering, I think the, the latest surveys show that about Three and a half million people in the UK are vegan, and a third of the population is is meat reducing or, or flexitarian, um, and it's huge. And it's really now it's it's becoming difficult to ignore this, to ignore this change that is taking place, and you know um, putting this together with everything that's been happening recently regarding the reports released by the UN regarding climate change, the just the, the huge impact that animal agriculture has on climate change, whereas before the, the focus was more on fossil fuels and, mm. uh, you know, traveling and plastics and things like that. You know, of course, we support all of these issues as well, um, and they need to be addressed, but it's great to see that people are talking about animal agriculture now, and the media 
has no um, you know option than to just present the facts and, and these are the facts it's not an opinion it, it is a fact that animal agriculture uh, has a huge negative impact on greenhouse gas emissions that affect climate change and with that uh, you know comes the 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 fun parts of veganism and you see more and more people literally coming out as vegan celebrities there are vegan shows vegan cooking uh, vegan fashion vegan everything vegan so the media is embracing it because the people are embracing it and it is the future there's no going back now mm-hmm. that's quite a positive view on it actually yeah they talk about veganuary and campaigns and campaigns that Peter indeed run afford us an opportunity to highlight broader issues that you mentioned there. Now, one of the issues that we said we'd come back to in this, uh, Theodora, was the campaign against the use of wool, which you've been working on within Peter. One of the things that I happened to know coincidentally just last night, and one of the uh, one of the people we have on the show is a lady from Jill Edinger from LiveKindly.com. Um, and one of their emails uh, last night was highlighting in Glasgow uh, buses are running advertisements and along the side of the bus are saying to ditch cruel wool. Can you talk to us a little bit about Peter's campaigns to get people to stop the, the use of wool? Peter has been campaigning against wool for many years now. Uh, Peter Asia actually has released dozens of exposés into the wool industry all over the world, across four continents. Uh, they visited almost a hundred shearing sheds, and what they've seen, the, the images that came out of that show that this industry is, um, is, is just an industry where cruelty to animals is, is systematic and it's pervasive. And uh, just last year, what we've um, always had to deal with uh, in the UK, whenever we show or we spoke about wool, people always used to say, well, that doesn't happen here, not here in the UK, because here farmers, you know, they love their sheep and they, that this would never happen. And last year, Pizza Asia released two exposés into the British wool industry. One was done in England, one was done in Scotland. They visited altogether almost 49 shearing sheds. And they witnessed the same kind of cruelty that they've seen in Australia and North America and South America, uh, workers beating and kicking, uh, throwing sheep into the floor, cutting them. I, I think one of the things that I, I say all the time, and, and I've had to debate this with farmers on, on radio, is that uh, people don't really know that uh, shearers, the workers, they're paid by volume. They're not paid by hour. And this encourages very fast, very rough work at the expense of animals. So what happens, sheep are prey animals. They are so scared when they have to go through this process. They see all the other sheep in front of them enduring cruelty and abuse, so they're really scared. And uh, they try to escape, and it really frustrates the work the workers because they have to get through it very quickly. They don't get paid a lot, so in order to make money, they have to shear as many sheep as possible. Um, and because of that, sheep gets, as I said, kicked in the face, uh, hit with electric clippers, and they get cut. And the workers then have to sew the the wounds with a needle and thread. No 
pain relief. Uh, a lot of the sheep die because because they've been so uh, roughly handled. It, it's really, really horrific. Um, and we released this investigation, but unfortunately, because especially in the UK, wool is just um, <clears throat> it, it's a product that people really love. You know, there's a history of, of using wool and enjoying wool in, in the UK for centuries. And um, it, it's really difficult to talk to people about it and explain why it is cool and why we don't need to use it. And we've done a lot of things to try and, and just at least get people to think about wool in the same way that they now think about fur, because really there's no difference when it comes to cruelty to animals. The, the fur industry is now dead and gone, but the wool industry is really just as cruel as the fur industry. Buses that you've uh, just mentioned, they're just one of the things that, that we've done. We've done so many um, protests all around the country. Just recently, last week, I've uh, organized a protest at London Fashion Week. Um, and it was on wool. We had um, three activists uh, with blindfolds uh, holding uh, a prop of a lamb who looks really just how a lamb would look when, when they're being sheared um, with all sorts of uh, wounds and cuts and grazes. And um, signs that said, the wool industry is pulling the wool over our eyes, and wool is just as cool as fur. Mm -hmm. And we um, we also um, have to rely, and I, I think Peter is probably quite famous for this, for for these kind of controversial or sometimes colorful or sometimes gimmicky uh, kind of campaigns, because it's so difficult to to get this kind of um, uh, message across into the media, when it comes to wool especially. When, uh, when Pizza Asia released the investigations, of course we went to the press with it, people didn't want to show it because they said, oh, it's, too, it's too cruel, it's just too cruel to show on TV. People don't want to see it. It's just too graphic and we can't show it. One of the things that we've done is we uh, found a small town in Dorset called Wool. So we sent a, quite a, a funny, friendly letter and said, if you'd like to change the name of the town from Wool to Vegan Wool, um, then we'll give every resident a Vegan Wool blanket. It was just a, a tongue-in-cheek kind of, you know, um, yeah, idea that we had. and. It just exploded, it exploded. The next day, all the papers um, were saying how we are demanding that this town change their names to, change their name to Vegan Wool and how uh, we're being so uh, unreasonable and how we've created these you know, problems to the, to the town because of that. And in fact, it wasn't like that at all. It was just a, a funny letter. Uh, the town, uh, many people said it was it was funny. It put their town on the map, and uh, but what what it did to us for us it gave us the opportunity to get people talking, mm. get people thinking about wool, and get people to go onto our website and watch the investigation. Because unless you watch this with your own eyes, you won't believe that it's true.
you just don't believe it. I think a lot of people also think, well, yeah, but the, the sheep, they don't die from being sheared. But some of them do. But the, the problem is that this is only a small part of the cruelty that these animals endure. We're also talking about all the mutilations that they endure, um, the tail docking, the castration, all without pain relief. And we're also talking about you know, the fact that when they're no longer commercially viable, these sheep go to the slaughterhouse just like any other farm animal. Mm. And uh, they get you know, strung up by their hind legs and, and have their throats slit. So it was, uh, I think, you know, we, we have a lot of work ahead of us. But you know, as I mentioned, the fur campaign is so different than what it used to be 30 years ago. You won't find too many people who would be willing to say, oh, there's nothing wrong with fur. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there still are, of course, but, but we will get to a point when, when people have the same attitudes towards wool, when they think, I don't want to be paying for this, I don't want to support an industry that does this to animals, especially when there's so many innovative vegan materials available that are not only better for the animals, but they're better for the planet as well. I think that's a really interesting couple of points that you raised there, Theodora, um, when you talk about wool and its comparison with fur, and also, I guess, down feather as well, that a lot of people don't link with cruelty. You know, they just think these yeah. somehow these animals shed their feathers and give them willingly to people to put in jackets or wherever they happen to put them. But um, in ter- it's an interesting point in terms of when you speak about the, the methods that Peter used, which I find brilliant, I must say, because it gets people talking. And that's the whole point of a campaign like that, is to bring it into the forefront of people's minds and conversations and get them to talk about it. I mean, some campaigns that Peter have run in the past, you know, I think there was something a couple of months ago when it was, you know, changing phraseology about don't say bring home the, the bacon, bring home the bagels, or it's something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And you could quite clearly see that it was meant tongue-in-cheek, similarly to what you were mentioning before. But the reaction from some people was absolutely crazy. They went, how dare you tell us what to think? How dare you tell us what to say? Blah, blah, blah. And it's, that's not the point. The point is to get people talking. You know, it, don't use pejorative terms about animals. Don't talk about animals in, as a subject that you can, you know, take the bull by the horns type of thing. Phrases like that, you know. So I think the work that you guys do in that is amazing, to be fair. And I think sometimes people get a very hard time uh, unfairly. Uh, from sometimes actually from people inside the vegan world as well, which I don't agree with. Yeah. So, uh, from our side of things, thank you very much for the hard work that you did. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we have to do it um, because sometimes there's really no other choice. Uh, it, it would be great if we could um, have a, uh, an investigation, an expose into uh, an industry that exploits animals and go to the media and say, look what we found, please show mm-hmm. this on national TV. Uh, on the the six or seven o'clock news, um, yeah. it doesn't work like that. Uh, so we have to rely on these kind of um, campaigns, these kind of controversial, as I said, gimmicky campaigns sometimes to just get people talking. And uh, you know, it, it is a step by step process. Uh, it, it won't happen overnight. And I think we all know that. Unfortunately, the world is not going to go vegan overnight, and it does take a, a long time to reach people and to make them make the change. But what's really important is uh, to, to remember is that you never know what will make a person make that change. It's just a question of planting as many seeds mm-hmm. as you can. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, we talk about that all day, Theodore. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you talk about the campaigns, for example, that we've been talking about in the past with the likes of the fur campaign, goose feather campaign, uh, wool, etc., etc. We talked about Veganuary as well. One of the things that really came... When I looked on Peter's website, and I did look at a lot of the campaigns that they've been uh, highlighting over the last couple of years, and one thing that really kind of struck me, and I found it quite sick in a way as well, was the use of animals in the uh, inverted commas entertainment industry. Particularly, I'm thinking of companies like uh, SeaWorld in the US that use these beautiful creatures to perform tricks for audiences. Can you maybe talk to me a little bit about the, the use of animals in the entertainment industry and some of the campaigns that PETA have run there? Yeah, so uh, PETA US actually have been campaigning against SeaWorld for decades now. And I think we're, we're very close to, to the finish line now. Um, of course, you know, in 2016, um, SeaWorld has announced that they've ended their breeding program. So our focus right now is to get the animals that are still there, still in these um, concrete tiny prisons, get them released into the wild or, or to seaside sanctuaries. Um, otherwise, the, the option is that they'll just die there, just like Kayla, for example, did just a, a few weeks ago, without ever having to experience freedom, experience the ocean, um, mm. which any wild orca should. In the UK, what we've done uh, to, to try um, and, and make that happen, we've focused on getting um, travel agents to stop selling tickets to SeaWorld. Uh, these tickets really provide a, a very important financial lifeline to SeaWorld. And one of our successful campaigns uh, from last year was our campaign against uh, Thomas Cook. In 2017, we started the campaign uh, we asking Thomas Cook to stop selling tickets to SeaWorld. And we've actually, it, it was a, a very intensive uh, campaign. Uh, it, was, it actually lasted less than a year because they did a acknowledge the fact that SeaWorld is extremely cruel and they don't, they don't want to make a profit from, from that kind of animal suffering. But the way we managed to do that was to have countless meetings with Thomas Cook management. We had tens of thousands of letters from compassionate members of the public, including celebrities like Sharon Osbourne and Paul O'Grady and the renowned explorer and environmentalist Jean-Michel Cousteau write to Thomas Cook asking them to stop selling the tickets. We've organized hundreds of protests outside Thomas Cook's stores all over the country, uh, countless uh, protests outside their um, headquarters in uh, London. It paid off because uh, in August last year, they announced that um, they'll stop selling the tickets. And, and that was a big blow to SeaWorld. Um, I think they were selling about 10,000 tickets each year. So that, you know, that was a, quite a big victory for the orcas. Um, and now we are focusing on Tui, which is another travel uh, giant, just like Thomas Cook, who are selling uh, tickets to um, SeaWorld at the moment. And we're using the same tactics that we used on Thomas Cook. One more thing, and this is one 
campaigning tactic that we uh, we use quite often is to buy a share in the company. What that allows us to do is to go to the shareholders' meetings and either uh, if we are able to introduce a motion mm-hmm. to try and, and effect change from within, or at least we are able to speak at the meeting, we are able to talk to, to management, to you know all the shareholders, um, letting them know that they are making a profit from suffering animals, animals who, who suffer tremendously, and it's just not right. And that worked with Thomas Cook. Uh, we've recently, um, actually, uh, it was our affiliate, Pizza Germany, because TUI is a German-owned company, and they went to the TUI general um, shareholders meeting in uh, Berlin just a few weeks ago. And we will keep the pressure on until we get the same result that we had with Thomas Cook. And this will mean another huge blow to um, SeaWorld, and hopefully that will push them into the direction of um, of just acknowledging that this is wrong, and the, the, the best thing that they can do is to release the orcas that they are keeping in, in their tiny prisons to make money from. Amazing work, it really is. How do you see society's attitudes changing? And have you noticed society's attitudes changing over the last couple of years? When we talk about all these wonderful campaigns that Peter runs and the ways that they enact them through grabbing people's attention, uh, how, how have you noticed people's attitudes change towards the animal rights movement? Well, it's been a, a massive change. I remember actually one of staff members at Pizza US once telling me the story about how she used to campaign in the 80s when uh, PETA had investigations that they filmed um, in labs or in fur farms or um, in factory farms, and they had them on VHS tapes. So if people wanted to see them, they had to order the VHS tape watch it, get as many people as they could to watch it, and they had to send it back. That's, that's how it used to work. Wow. And we are so lucky. It's, it's just hard to believe that that's, that's how we got to this point, but you can see the difference just from that story, just how easy it is now, uh, because of social media um, especially, to raise awareness, to make people think about how every choice that they make has an impact um, on animals, and it's so easy to make a good choice. It's, it's just simply a matter of choosing between cruelty or kindness. So yeah, it definitely, the attitude has changed, um, and the attitudes towards veganism, where I remember even just a few years ago, if you said you were vegan, you would get a bit of stairs, you'd get a couple of glasses, <laughs> your shoes were made of leather, or, oh, yeah. you know, politely encouraging you to get a job. Um, that was <laughs> one of my favorite ones. Um, but, um, but now you don't get to see that that much. Whenever I speak to someone uh, and I say, oh, I'm vegan, Almost all, every single time, I either hear, oh, I'm also vegan, or, oh, my brother is vegan, or, you know, my sister, my friend, my... It's, uh, it's just 
so easy now to be vegan. And that's only happened because some people made that change, made it happen, and made it easier, easier for others to go vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not just in terms of being accepted by society, but in terms of just convenience. It, it is, I guess in a way, it is sad to think that for a, a lot of us, it really is a question of, of convenience. Do I have the time? Do I, can I, you know, find food quickly where I want it? Or can I find clothes that are vegan or makeup or things like that? And now it is easier than it's ever been before. Wherever you go, you see a vegan meal, a vegan lunch, a vegan scarf, a vegan everything. You see vegan hotels, uh, vegan cruises you know, vegan cars, vegan electricity, it's, it's just changed tremendously. And, and I think we're all so happy to see that. I think with any progressive social movement in any century, that needs to start with protest. And PETA have been instrumental in launching that protest all around the world. And you know what? Sometimes people don't like the message or the method by which it's delivered. But the bigger picture is we get to where we need to be. And I think, Peter, are central to that. And I really thank you guys for the work that you do. So what happens in the next 12 months then, Theodora, for Peter? What are the campaigns you have coming down the tracks? Well, I'm, you know, uh, there's no surprises. We'll, we'll keep working towards animal liberation. Um, but, uh, yeah, in more practical terms, we'll continue to push two weeks. We, we really want to to get a, a victory for animals uh, very soon um, for the orcas imprisoned at SeaWorld. Uh, we'll continue to educate the public, retailers about wool. Uh, we'll continue working with um, institutions and restaurants and catering companies to increase their vegan food options. One thing that I didn't mention, um, this is a new uh, program that we've just started. Uh, it's a university outreach program. At the moment we have 13 students across the UK. Unfortunately, we don't have anyone in uh, Northern Ireland, so hopefully once when this goes out, uh, it'll inspire students we'll find to, you yeah. to apply. Yes, <laughs> it's a great program. Um, we offer students everything that they need to uh, organize a minimum of six, six actions at their university. Uh, so we'll give them everything from uh, leaflets, uh, banners, tablecloths, uh, food uh, samples, anything that they need uh, to um, set, to organize campaigns for uh, to, to get their fellow students to go vegan or at least think about um, going vegan. So it's a really, really great program, and I really hope that it will grow a lot. It will expand uh, in the next few years, so we'll have a student at every university in the UK. Um, and I guess what's really most important is that we'll, we'll continue to push a message against speciesism. That's that's really where we are. That's what we're working for. Fantastic. Listen, Theodore, thank you so much for your time tonight. This is amazing. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. My thanks to Theodora and to Peter for today's interview. Now, I know Peter sometimes receives not always a positive press for the methods they use, but I think that misses the point. And I think today's interview went some way to highlighting that. I think what is important is the message of what they're trying to get across and not how it's delivered. As Theodora herself said, it's a method they have to use to get action. 
And I think what is important is when they get the publicity, it starts the conversation about animal rights. What you have to ask yourself is, is their method effective and does it work? And I think the answer to both those questions is yes. So my thanks to Peter, my thanks to Theodora for this week's episode. And I hope to have you back this time next week for another installment of Vegan Word. Thanks, guys. Bye for now.